Hello and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today, Olivia. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Olivia. I do um, YouTube videos primarily on movies, like animated movies, and I suppose I'm a Disney adult. I'm currently sitting next to... <laughs> Two, four, six, seven of my Disney ears. I have an entire shrine dedicated to Hunchback of Notre Dame. I have an entire board of trading pins, and I have a cat named Esmeralda. Disgusting. How <laughs> dare you come on this podcast? She's currently outside my room, so I apologize in advance if she interrupts and I have to let her in. Yeah, well, special guest Esmeralda. We've seen, we've had Esmeralda before on the <laughs> channel. Have we? No. Was she Was she around when we were when I was streaming on my birthday? Well, she was on um, Garkic phone, but she wasn't like in person. Oh, she I guess. wasn't. She wasn't there in person, right? Yeah, yeah she was okay. in the closet the entire time. She was in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kitty! You, 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 cat! You. Wow. Well, speaking of Esmeralda, she came out good for her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of Esmeralda, that's a character in the Disney movie Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's a Disney movie. You know what's under Disney's gigantic umbrella? That's uh, Pixar. You know who directed a Pixar movie once or twice or thrice? Brad Bird. Hey, Brad Bird directed hey. today's first movie, The Iron Giant. I brought it back home. Solid so, yeah, thank you. Well, uh, so I asked you here today, Olivia, and you so uh, lovingly chose two films that I just so happen to own. Uh, and the first one we're talking about is The Iron Giant. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll introduce this because uh, I'll, I'll let you introduce our next movie. We'll get to that. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, The Iron Giant, a Brad Bird film, Brad Bird's first film from 1999. Um about an iron giant coming down to earth and hijinks ensue. Uh, Olivia, what did you think of the Iron Giant? I, I freaking adore this movie. I think, mm -hmm. I, I really can't choose between whether or not Ratatouille or the Iron Giant is my favorite Brad Bird movie. They're both like mm. S tier for me. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I am more hardcore Incredibles boy when it comes to my favorite of Brad Bird's films, I just because have... I haven't seen that one in years. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it in years. Yeah, mm -mm. I, I don't know. I feel like The Incredibles is a better balance of like being a genuinely great story and can be like beloved by everybody yeah i feel like iron giant and ratatouille are also those because i loved ratatouille and iron giant as a kid mm -hmm. but i feel like incredibles i loved the most as a kid and then into adult years i still love it just as much whereas i feel like iron giant and ratatouille i learned to appreciate in different ways when i became an adult mm -hmm. um whereas the incredibles is just has been on a higher level like this whole time but that's a discussion for another day the iron giant itself um it's definitely uh very good for a first film for brad bird i mean first film like for crying out loud like it, it's actually really good yeah yeah exactly i mean it's his only 2d animated film which is kind of a shame like i would have loved to have seen another movie with this kind of style 
I mean, I'm saying that, and I'm just realizing there was another movie with that style. It's Eight called Crazy Eight Nights. Crazy Nights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, not, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it, but like, still. Yeah, I mean, if you're familiar with the Nostalgia Critic review, I, he pretty much nails. Yeah, yeah, it's not a very good movie. Sorry, Bivid, if you're listening, it's not a good movie. I will never, I will not fall for the Eight Crazy Nights propaganda. I, it's, it's not good. But you know what is good? The Iron Giant. Um, so what is what is something that really gravitates you towards this movie? Like, why would you consider it, like, one of his best? Brad Bird's, that is. I think it really might be the comedy. And I think this honestly might have, like, some of, if not the best facial expressions I've ever seen in an animated movie. Mm-hmm. I think... Oh, there's, like, um... There's just so many that come into mind. Like, um, that scene when... Annie and Kent, they're like outside Hogarth's in the outside Hogarth in the bathroom, and then <laughs> Annie opens the, <laughs> Annie opens the door, and <laughs> Kent puts his face in, but then she smashes it on his on his head. There's yeah, like a single yeah. in between frame where his face still squished, and I I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. It's a very good image. No, I know exactly. <laughs> I I love seeing it in screenshots, and I well, I go up on this most recent rewatch i was like uh looking out for it and i could see it for like that split second it's mm-hmm. like the it's like the scene of gaston falling in ba- uh, beauty and the beast where you can like see the skulls in his eyes like mm-hmm. i've paused that moment so many times i i know i can like catch it just like that it's really funny it's like um, the disney world like level of hysteria yeah and then yeah, the disney world <laughs> <laughs> so many good smear frames in animation mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's, I think there's some really good facial animation. Like, not even just meme facial animation, or like I'm also thinking of like the meme of like uh, Dean with like the coffee mug and like it's like edited. Oh where, yeah, like, I his love face that one. Also on the coffee mug, like that's a good one. <laughs> but even like like legitimate great facial animation, I would say. I think Hogarth is like a very um, expressive kid mm-hmm. like he has a lot of, he has like a wide array of emotions and he like they're all really expressive and they look really cool mm-hmm. um like you can tell when he's like frustrated you can tell when he's like super happy like it's 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 a nice uh diverse array of uh emotions and i think that i mean you'd think that's a very that's something that you'd need to get down but like that's that can't be easy you know because you're like coming up with all these different uh facial structures for this character you know Mm -hmm. well i mean if we're talking about uh mansley i want to talk about mansley (laughs) he's one of my favorite villains um just because he's so funny i feel like you know Mm -hmm. like everything everything like i was looking forward to seeing him because like he has so many like great scenes in this movie he has so many great lines he is so hysterical He's so hysterical. There's like, I mean, the one that I always remember is the one where like, you know, he launches the mich- missiles and the general's just like, where's the giant Mansley? Where's the giant Mansley? <laughs> and then he's like, we're going to die, Mansley, for, for our, our country. country. <laughs> Screw our country. country. I, I want to live. live. <laughs> okay. I do kind of have a funny story about the, where the giant, where's the giant Mansley no. thing. So. No, please do. Please. <laughs> Last semester, there was, um. I forgot which class it was in, but there was a professor doing role, and there was a girl with the last name Manly, and I was so tempted to just blurt, where's the giant Mansley, but because it was the first day, I didn't want to be seen as, like, the weird girl, so I, I just kept my mouth shut. 
Uh, smart move. Smart mm-hmm. move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I can relate to that. The amount of times like someone will just like, you know what, say their name or like say something out in public, and I just want to quote something related, like tangentially related to it, Absolutely. or not even like because yeah, manly, mansley. It's not the same name, but like your brain clicks, and you're just like <laughs> Iron Giant reference. <laughs> like yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely get that. But, like, Mansley also has some really good scenes. There's that one scene at the beginning when, like, he, like, doesn't believe that there's an Iron Giant. He's, like, walking back to his car, and he's, like, I gotta I gotta get this quote right, where he's just, like, oh, probably the most exciting thing to happen in this town is Homecoming, Homecoming Queen. Queen. Oh, my God! <laughs> like, it is, it, it, it's such a good reaction because, like, it's so, like funny but also like it it genuinely like the actor christopher mcdonald like delivers it in a way that it's so believable like i don't know he just has that voice to him because like you know he plays like the douchebag in every movie he's in or that i've ever seen him in because mm-hmm. he was in flubber he was the douchebag in flubber which flubber terrible movie by the way <laughs> <laughs> at least it's got robin williams in it it does but oh my god that's a movie we watched for wheel night one time but we were miserable <laughs> We were so miserable. That was the night we watched, uh, what was it, Gingerweed Man, and then we moved on to Flubber, and we were more we were more annoyed with Flubber than we were with Gingerweed Man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, it was yeah, terrible movie. But anyway, Iron Giant. Sorry. (laughs) I think my favorite. I think my favorite line from um, Kent Mansley's opening scene is "No, Mar. Big things happen in big places." Yeah, big places. Oh God, yeah, no, that's such. It's he's so funny. He's such a good character because he's like so, he's like such a piece of shit. But like you're, like he he's like a piece of shit in the same way that like Gaston is. Where like yeah. yes, he's a gigantic asshole, but you love seeing him being a gigantic asshole. Like you just can't help but like love to hate him. You know. And I love the scene with the uh, phone when he hangs up and he tries to put it back on the. Um thing and it doesn't like they didn't have to add it but they did and it's so good yeah. or the scene while while he's on the phone and like you like the general's laughing and he looks at like the cow oven mitt and it looks like it's yeah. mocking him and he just like turns it around it's like it's so random but like it adds to his character like he's just so self-conscious that a fucking oven mitt is like triggering him it's mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's genius and it's little details like that that i love that brad bird kept in Wait, I forgot. Um, have you watched um, Atlantis: The Lost Empire? I have. Yes. yes. So Atlantis, that was the Disney movie in two thousand one. That's the one with Michael J. Fox um, and Chris Summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. where the, yeah, Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so the uh, voice of the general in the Iron Giant is the same voice as um, I think his name is Whitmore in Atlantis. He's the one like in the big yes. mansion. Yeah, John Mahoney. He's yeah. Fraser's dad in Fraser. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I he he has a really good voice. He like does. he 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 suits like that general voice really well. Like he's really good in that. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, well that's the thing is like there's a lot of great voice actors in this. So obviously we said John Mahoney, Christopher McDonald, but like even the main characters. So like um Jennifer Aniston is Annie the mom, which works really well. Like she was at she was like and friends at the time but like here she is like you know voicing this mo- mother character and she does a really good job i really like harry connick jr as oh, dean too, too. Like, as like this beatnik he mm-hmm. has some <laughs> speaking of line delivery there's that scene where like um 
the Iron Giant jumps into the lake and like uh Dean <laughs> goes like two miles out from like the <laughs> from like the water, like pushing him through into like the road. Mm-hmm. And like that pig farmer drives by, he's like, Hey buddy, and You're Dean's right like, in the yeah. middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> is the way he says yeah. All right. It's yeah, it's so funny because there's so much character to that. Like it's it's not much, but it's enough, you know. Mm-hmm. I grew yeah. up with um Harry Connick Jr. with um the Dolphin Tail movies, both of them. Okay. But now I think <laughs> I first watched Iron Giant when I was, I guess like a mid teenager. So like since then, I've associated Harry Connick Jr. with Dean. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Harry Connick Jr. as being the shitty boyfriend on Will and Grace, but <laughs> that's just me. Uh. Yeah. Um, I, we haven't talked about the titular character, the Iron Giant oh, himself yeah, right. yet. Um, voiced by Vin Diesel, of all <laughs> actors. Uh, but he works. Mm-hmm. Like, he genuinely, because he has that, like, low, graspy voice. And obviously, they do some, like, editing and tweaking on his voice to make it sound a little more, like, metallic and yeah, giant. Mm-hmm. But, like, even still, he has that, um, low graspy voice that it still works like it sounds great and obviously he's not doing a whole lot he's literally doing the whole Groot thing where he's only saying like a couple of lines really but it works you know because that's the character like a lot of the character comes from the animation um which the animation on him is really good i think it is mostly cgi yeah he's all cg and then it's um self-shaded 2d Yes, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really good facial expressions with him, even though like Seriously? it's very it's a it's a very simple facial uh structure because mm-hmm. it's literally just like the eyes and then you have like the mouth. But like you could do so much with that, um, and they do. Like uh, there's like certain there's like a certain scene where like he I can't remember if he like eats something or if it's when he like puts the screw back into his jaw. Yeah, that's what I was looks thinking of. Hogarth mm-hmm. and like he like he smiles, smiles like. J- yeah, like mm-hmm. that's a that's a scene I always think of with like, you know, him giving like a different facial expression. That like that's a really good example of that. And um, I, I think my favorite is right after the general says, Where's the giant Mansley? Mansley turns around and the uh giant is like just <laughs> glaring at him. Yeah. <laughs> that one always like, makes me burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one too. Um Yeah, no, he's and he it's a really good um and simple character, I would say, like, you know, and that's the thing with this movie is like, you'd think it would be a little too overcomplicated um, because like, where exactly does this giant robot come from? Like, it comes from space, but like, and I, I want to bring this up. So I have the signature edition on Blu-ray. Um, so it comes with the theatrical cut, but it also has the signature edition. Um and actually looking at the back here, so the signature edition is rated PG for fantasy action violence, language, some thematic material, and smoking. And the theatrical version is PG for fantasy action and mild language. Um, I didn't watch the theatrical cut this most recent time. I probably should have so I could like tell the difference between the two, but I just didn't. I, I wanted to go with the cut that wasn't like altered i wanted to go with the actual cut of the movie yeah um do you know what version you saw i watched the um theatrical version on um max because i 
don't have it on physical, but I did check out the uh, signature edition at the library last year. Just check out check mm-hmm. out the two scenes. Yeah. So so yeah, I did notice this time around. So it's a. I think what they're referring to is like the scene when like the titular giant is like having that nightmare, mm-hmm. and like you can clearly see like different iron giants and they're like attacking planets and like you know it's like a lot of like space stuff you know yeah and it's projected on the um tv screen inside dean's house yes. so he's able to see it yeah because i don't remember because i feel like i i saw the theatrical version a lot more as a kid um because i don't really remember that scene as much as like other scenes yeah um, it wasn't I in the watching. theatrical cut yeah okay because cool. of budgetary um, reasons yeah, I can get that. But also, I feel like it's such a weird scene that, I mean, I get why they have to include it, so then you can get, like, some idea where he came from, um, which, I mean, it makes sense, you know, because they, they don't really t- delve too much into it, where, you know, you just get him, like, dreaming about this kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. you just get him, like, walking around, destroying these planets, and then you don't really g- give it, I don't think they necessarily show, like, something some reason why he left you just assume oh he left because he didn't want to be violent anymore Mm -hmm. like i'm assuming that's what they were going for yeah and i think it also does a good reason or like it kind of um justifies why dean did a complete 180 when he was when the uh, giant was shooting hogarth later he -hmm. realized he was acting defensively toward the gun yeah i mean that's that's a little weird of a scene because i mean I get it. Like you have to have a scene where like, you know, Dean has to be a little protective of Hogarth and like causing the giant to like run away. Mm-hmm. But cause, the, but then it's just kind of weird because then immediately after they've left, left after the giant and uh, Hogarth have left, like that's when Dean like finds the gun. He's like, Oh, who's in defense. Like, yeah, I- it took like five seconds. Yeah. It was just like five seconds. He's just like, Oh, I believe the giant is good again. It's like, Oh, okay. That was weird. But yeah. I, I, like little details i can forgive that because again it is a very simple movie and like it is only 90 minutes so like Tight i think yeah i think what they include is fine like i think that's a little that moment's a little weird but at the same time i'm not like i i don't think it like straight up ruins the movie you know mm-hmm. like i think it's it, it's still effective in what it's trying to do mm-hmm. and then there's another scene in the uh, signature edition where I don't think it's as significant as the dream scene, but it's um, Annie and Dean in the diner scene in the diner and they're just talking and it's the scene before he goes out to uh, take the like the truck. He was like towing it. That was the one mm-hmm. that got like the big bite taken out of it. OK, interesting. So they just wanted like another scene of Annie and Dean together, I guess. Yeah, I think it kind of, I guess, fleshed out their relationship because they didn't talk for like an hour in between the first opening scene and like when they were in um dean's junk yeah. junkyard and yeah and then like at the end that you're supposed to believe that like they ended up together i guess which, yeah exactly I mean, it's not the worst forced hetero uh <laughs> romance in a movie i would say i'll um, take it yeah and plus the fact i don't think it's like it, like it's not like you know the movie like really pays attention to it like they're just together at the end you're just like oh okay yeah whatever exactly. like I mean, it does say like a year has passed. So you're like, eh, maybe something happened in between. I, who cares? Like the, the movie's ending right now. Like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, just trying to think. I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the movie um, before we get into this Blu-ray? 
I did write some notes. Oh, I like that um, this movie predicted squirrels my pants from Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> I was saying that exactly while I was watching it. I'm just like, oh God, S-I-M-P, squirrels in my pants. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, when you're raised on Phineas and Ferb, how could you not make the connection? Exactly. And then I think it's also cool that um, two of Walt Disney's nine old men make a cameo in this movie because they were um, yeah they were mentors for uh, Brad Bird. I think that was so cool. Yeah. Like they were mentors before he even joined Pixar. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah, because it's the it's the train conductor and the uh, the train guy. Like the, it's the scene where like Mansley's like interviewing like the train guys like after the train got derailed from the giant. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's them. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because they also show up in the Incredibles. Yeah, I know um, that much. I forgot. Or yeah, I know that that much of that scene. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. it in years, you but know- I know that. It's funny because, like, I know now, like, as an adult, that that's who those guys are. Like, they're one of the original Disney Nine Old Men. But, like, as a kid, I did not know the, their significance in the uh, at the point in The Incredibles because, like, that's the scene where they're just like, oh, that's old school. Uh, like, the superheroes are getting back together. It's like, at first, I, this you're going to laugh. I thought that was supposed to be the principal and his teacher, Bernie, but like much older. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like, it's only been a couple of months since their last scene. Like, what happened? <laughs> like, it, like, it was so confusing to me as a kid. Um, but then I got older. I'm like, oh, that those are two completely different characters. Mm-hmm. The, it's literally just a cameo from like, you know, the nine old men that Brad Bird, yeah, again, was like. Yeah, who's yeah there was like his, their ment- his mentors it's like mm-hmm. okay <laughs> it's just, I, it, I mean i i filled in the blanks in my mind in the weirdest way possible as a kid but yeah no that is cool that they show up in this movie too mm-hmm. and i also really like the um mov- movie's editing like the one part that sticks out to me is the uh, scene transition where kent and hogarth are both spinning around like kent is talking to the um like government guys and he spins around but then it cuts to hogarth finishing that spin while he's talking to the giant and i love that yeah no that's a really cool um effect of like showing like the two like the two of them like they obviously have very different goals but like essentially they're like thinking about it in a similar way yeah no i agree i also wrote dean three times three separate times in my notes so i wonder if that means anything <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I he's a very fun character. I love Dean. Uh, this is just like Beatnik, who's just like, yeah, sure, I'll take care of your robot in my junkyard. <laughs> he's also uh, one of my biggest animated crushes. What? Uh, what? What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> nothing. Oh, uh, that was a close one. Phew. <laughs> I I do like his. Uh, line at the beginning where he's just like if nobody will stand up for the kooks who who else will Mm -hmm. which you know ties into him defending the giant robot which is kooky but i it works i think you know oh and then back to the um facial expression thing i (laughs) when annie is asking if his if uh, her son is bothering him and he says yes no and he like slams his fist on the table because the squirrel's up in his pants now i love those facial expressions yeah, no, that I mean that's the thing with this movie. There's so many good facial expressions. There's so many so much good animation. This is one of those like obviously it's one of those early examples of like 2D and 3D being kind of like uh mixed together because you have like the characters as 2D 
uh, being 2D animated. And then you have like the uh, robot itself being um, 3D animated. Mm -hmm. But like it's one of those early examples where like the mixture of the animations really, really works. Um, Because I always think of like something like Sinbad where like – you know, the DreamWorks Sinbad, where, like, yeah. it's so obvious the difference between the 2D and 3D that, like, it looks really distracting. Um, but, like, I feel like um, this movie is, like, a better example of that, where, like, you're marrying the two, whereas, like, you know, it looks a lot better, a lot more natural. It's weird how off it looks in Sinbad, because, like, in the earlier 2D DreamWorks movies, like, Prince of Egypt, and then, like, it's all right in... Um... Road to El Dorado, but like it looks better even though they're earlier movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like what gives? Which I mean, yeah, what gives? I guess at that point, like DreamWorks was just like, well, we already made Shrek. Like, who cares anymore? Like, we're just gonna move on to 3D animation, which yeah. I I get it. Like from a business standpoint, yes, you want to go with the more popular uh type of animation, but at the same time, you know, people are gonna long for that years down the line, which I mean, again, we're in a time where, like, the most popular animated films are stuff like Spider-Verse and Puss in Boots, where, mm-hmm. like, yes, they're 3D animated, but they're doing so, they're, like, doing so in a way that, like, harkens back to that style, that old-timey style of 2D animation. So, like, yeah. again, when it's a marrying of the two, like, people love that, or, you know, it looks better, I should say, whether or not people love it. I mean, it's not always guaranteed, yeah. but... It, you know, it it just looks better. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I said um, Kent needs to be told that he is Kent enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he needed. I was making Kenuff jokes as well when watching it. I mean, we're in a post Barbie world now, and mm-hmm. it's impossible not to, mm-hmm. even though it's Kent with a really? T. But it work. It works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> He's Kentuff. <laughs> you want to get into your Blu-ray now? Yeah, might as well. I mean, I pretty much have said pretty much everything I want to say about uh, this movie. It's a very fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I I th- really do think I'm more of a fan of Ratatouille and The Incredibles, especially The Incredibles, when it comes to Brad Bird films. Um, but I don't think this is like, bad or anything i i did lower my score a bit on letterboxd um but like i still think it's really good like it's a really good movie it's obviously uh paying homage to like a lot of like the cheesy sci-fi movies of the 50s um but i feel like this one is much better written than those cheesy uh sci-fi movies of the 50s which isn't really a hard thing to do considering the fucking market but you know it's it's still um worth a praise you know mm-hmm. oh wait i forgot yeah. did you make a um did you make a landslide so uh yeah let's talk about that you really <laughs> wanted to make a landslide shake yes um, so i went to five guys and got a burger and fries and a milkshake because i don't know when i think of 1950s i think of like you know diner like the big beefy burgers and fries yeah, and exactly. milkshakes um, and I feel like Five Guys does that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have Five Guys out there in L.A., California? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have one. Uh, yeah, I have like a couple near me. I've only gone, I think, once or twice, though. Okay, I'm just we're just making sure because, you know, it's just it, California is like on the other side of Mars to me. <laughs> so I don't know. 
You guys are weird out there. Just kidding. Anyway, um, so I just got like an Oreo milkshake. I probably could have gotten a vanilla and gotten Hershey bars, but I completely forgot. But yeah, you were really apt to wanting to make a landslide. And I was really worried because I'm like, you do know what the landslide is in the movie, right? <laughs> I used a Hershey's bar. Relax. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. So in the in the movie... In order for uh, uh, Hogarth to get the slip on Mansley, <laughs> he, he sprinkles chocolate on his uh, milkshake, but it's actually not chocolate, it's laxative. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's because um, so. for years, whenever I watch the movie, I watch that scene and I'm like, oh, I really want to make that um, milkshake, but I keep forgetting to do it until I watch the movie, until I watch the movie the next time. And like mm. this time, finally, I remembered the milkshake existed. So I like planned it out ahead of time. I got a Hershey's bar and then went over to um, Paul's place. And I also got a burger, some curly fries and a chocolate milkshake. And then I just crumpled the yeah. Hershey's bar on top. Well, yeah. So I didn't get the Hershey's, but I still got a milkshake. I got the landslide. It's new. Very, Very new. new. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, the Iron Giant Signature Edition. I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, it looked great on Blu-ray. Um, it was really cool. Yeah, and it's really cool that this comes with both versions. I really greatly appreciate that. As somebody who's very like anal about this kind of stuff, like I would like options when it comes to watching movies. Like even if a version is obviously uh less than stellar like than another version i appreciate like i don't know i like having the choice of having you know any version i can watch at any given moment you know yeah like different cuts of the movie exactly exactly star wars like it's <laughs> it's just frustrating like how, how like certain versions of movies will just not be available because like studios or uh, Blu-ray companies will just be like, eh, who cares? It's like, <laughs> I cares. A lot, actually. <laughs> so, no, but I'm glad that, you know, at least with this movie, I have the option to, you know, maybe someday I want to watch the theatrical version, maybe someday I want to watch the signature edition version. So, it's just nice having the, the choice. Um, unfortunately, this is a Blu-ray with the recycling logo edged out in the case. Mm -hmm. I have mentioned numerous times on numerous occasions on this podcast i hate when blu-ray cases do that but if the movie's good enough i i'm willing to keep it and yeah i think i'm willing to keep this blu-ray of the iron giant this is actually a version that i um up until we planned this i think was still in its wrapping oh wow um, from when i like yeah from when i like bought it at bull moose i believe mm -hmm. uh so this was this was the uh, christening of uh, breaking the wine bottle on the ship, so to speak, when watching this this time. Uh, cool. Yeah. So and again, it looked great. Um, I think I'm willing to keep this for now. Maybe later down the line, I could always upgrade it to 4K. Does a 4K of this like even exist? I don't know. I was just about to ask you. Yeah, I have no idea. Not that I've um, seen. I don't think so. I feel like I feel like. I just assume a lot of movies have a 4K version because that's like one like that's a very popular way of watching movies now. But then I forget. Oh right, like some movies just don't have that luxury. Uh, <laughs> Titanic. Like, 
yeah, like Titanic. They'll put Showgirls on 4K. <laughs> they won't put Titanic on 4K. I, fuck's sake. Ugh. When are they going to put Faust on 4K? I mean, come on. Never. <laughs> Better be never. <laughs> anyway, uh, and even if I do eventually upgrade this, um, for now I'm fine with keeping this. I'm just saying Iron Giant in general does have a place in the collection, um, whether it's this Blu-ray, whether it's something different down the line. I'm keeping it for sure. Um, so do you you said you don't have it on uh, Blu-ray, correct? No, I don't. And yeah, I checked out. I guess I was a little ahead of the curve. But yeah, I do. I did. Um, I did borrow the signature uh, collection or signature edition on DVD last year at the library because I been wanting to check it out for years and i finally got the chance and yeah i liked it mm -hmm. yeah it's a good movie um do you have much of any sort of collection in physical media um, it's a weird way of asking but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i'm looking at it right now i have like an entire shelf of it and i guess the way i come uh my perspective on physical media is different from you and like william because <laughs> A couple weeks ago, William was mentioning how um, he hasn't seen Ringo before, but he has it on Blu-ray. And I think he said he bought mm. it in the original packaging. And I was like just dramatically gasping at the fact that he owns it, even though he's never watched it. And he's like, <laughs> Olivia, why are you gasping? And it's because for me, if I want to buy like a Steelbook or a Blu-ray or whatever, it has to be like an all-timer movie for me. Because mm. if I want to... If there's a movie on it I'm interested in seeing that I haven't seen yet, I'll just add it to my watch list. But if I love it enough, then I'll buy it on physical. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm somewhere in between you guys. We're like, obviously, I'm not like William. We're like, I want every movie ever uh, in my collection. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why I started this podcast so that I can downsize. Um, but I feel like, you know, there's some things I definitely want. I mean, that's the thing is like, I don't own... I like I feel like I have like uh people in my server always posting like links to like when something is on 4K and they're just like oh time to upgrade it's just like well like why like yeah. you know sometimes the joy in owning something is the packaging it comes in like I don't think I would ever want to own everything in my collection thus far on a 4K disc like you know the the interesting part of my collection is that i have a wide array of different versions of different things like i have time runner on vhs because there's not a blu-ray or dvd of it in existence um i own the star wars holiday special in dvd because Ugh. that's extraordinarily rare um so it's just yeah no there's i can definitely understand though like nobody wants like a giant uh collection unless you're me or William like we're literally the only two people in the world that like like having this amount of movies in our collection so I may be um, picky about what I want to own on physical for movies yeah. but I'm like the right. exact opposite for books like if there's if I see a book that I'm interested in buying or if I'm interested in reading it I'm gonna buy it right exactly even though it's a bigger yeah. time investment than movies I don't know that's just how my brain works <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. We have weird weird niches that we want to fulfill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I take it we're done with Iron Giant, you'd say? I suppose. Okay. Well, let's talk about a, a different visionary tour de force. Heck um, yeah. 
Yeah, I was just quoting the front of this Blu-ray of the tale of the Princess Kaguya. 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 No, I I was just being an asshole. Anyway, (laughs) we watched, uh, this this is the very first Studio Ghibli movie being talked about on the podcast. So, yeah, congrats. You are the first one to recommend a Ghibli movie on the podcast. So, Olivia, uh, Tale of Princess Kaguya, let's talk about it. Okay, am I introducing it? Uh, go for it, kid. <laughs> okay, so yeah, it's a, a Studio Ghibli movie directed by um, Isao Takahata, the same director as uh, Groove of the Fireflies and Only Yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was released in 2013, and it was originally supposed to be a double bill with um, The Wind Rises, similar to My Neighbor Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies, but because Isao Takahata is he's kind of a perfectionist, it was delayed. But yeah. Mm. Okay, interesting. I actually didn't know it was supposed to come out as like a double bill mm-hmm. with uh, Wind Rises. I mean, ma- yeah, it makes sense. The fact that he's a um, perfectionist for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, what'd you, what'd you think? What, what do you think of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay, yeah, it's in my top four favorite on Letterboxd. So yeah, I'm like kind of obsessed with it. Mm-hmm, so, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw it um, back when it was released in theaters, and um, it took like a year to come to the U.S., so I saw it in theaters back in 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I know I brought this up before, but you know the theater where I saw uh, The Lighthouse? Uh, I forget the name of it, but I know you've seen The Lighthouse in theaters. Yeah, it's um, the uh, it's the Frida Cinema in Santa Al- Santa Ana, California. Just free promo if anyone's around there, want to check it out. But yeah, I saw it back in 2014. My um, my aunt used to volunteer there, and because it's like nonprofit, and her full time job was a teacher at a nearby school, so. There was just a couple of nights where she brought her entire class to see two movies, and she asked me if I wanted to go see them. The first one was Song of the Sea, and I freaking love that one. That's one I still adore to this day. And then the second one was uh, Kaguya, and that one I, I think I was, I was twelve years old when I saw both of them, and I preferred Song of the Sea at the time. And then I thought Kaguya was all right, and then I think way down the line i think like six or so years later i watched it again on hbo max and i re-fell in love with it mm. okay cool i did not see it when it first came to theaters i didn't even know it existed when it first came to theaters um because i did definitely know about ghibli at that time but like mostly from friends um going on about like you know the the usual suspects of ghibli movies stuff like spirited away my neighbor totoro mm-hmm. princess mononoke like you know mm-hmm. the usual stuff all the miyazaki um, ones all the miyazaki ones exactly um and yeah so i did not watch this until james one day in the editor server was like hey i'm doing a ghibli ranking uh, claim stuff um and so uh we so like that was basically when i started watching ghibli films was because of james Mm -hmm. um my very first one was spirited away which um ironically enough i did not vibe with the very first time i watched it um i i eventually learned upon subsequent rewatches of loving it um but yeah no uh Kaguya was one of the earliest ones I watched because I had claimed that when um, uh, 
when like claiming segments for that video mm-hmm. and I watched it and because I remember because I usually like to watch all like even if I don't claim a segment I like to watch all the movies that James talks about in any given ranking um That's cool yeah so I, I remember watching this and uh again funny story so it was one of the, so it was this would have been like late July, maybe mid July of 2021. I had just seen Boss Baby 2. And then like a day or so later, I watched this <laughs> and controversial belief. But I mean, this is better than the Boss Baby 2. Let me just what? tell you. No, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Shocking as it is. Um, but yeah, no. So like when I first watched this, I mean, after enduring something like that but also just like in general like it was just kind of a wake-up call to be like wow this was incredible you mm-hmm. know like it was it was such a cool experience to see a real animated movie like it was just really cool to see um but i'm glad we rewatched it this time because then i was able to like be a little more level-headed when watching it again and i'm glad i was because wow like it's so cool like what this movie does you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so one thing i definitely realized is the animation it's wonderful Um, absolutely because it's uh it's not normal like ghibli style you know like it's it well that i mean one it's not uh miyazaki ghibli it's takahata ghibli which Mm -hmm. is very different if you know like the different movies that they both did um which yeah you brought up only yesterday grave of the fireflies like that is very much takahata ghibli um especially like only yesterday like thinking of only yesterday in my mind like a lot of scenes are like i really don't want to use the word simplistic when describing the animation but you know what i mean like a lot of like a lot of scenes have like very like basic white backgrounds to them you know detailed (laughs) less detailed exactly exactly um and i really you really feel that here um because you because it definitely has that like kind of old um japanese painting style to it Mm -hmm. where like you get like a lot of japanese watercolors i would say yeah yeah ukiyo-e yeah exactly like it just but it like it works like and but you still have characters with amazing uh, to bring up facial expressions again like really good facial expressions in this movie just because it has this style it also is able to use that style to the movie's advantage you know mm-hmm. as yeah. well as crying it, at the door hang on uh. <laughs> <laughs> i told you she'd do this hang on yeah she's a special guest esmeralda <laughs> okay she's inside oh that's oh that's quite all right <laughs> i know pets interrupting uh, podcast recordings i don't know if you could hear my dog earlier the dog police you mean dog police <laughs> what are you going for dog police nobody knows who you are god damn it <laughs> no my actual dog camo he sometimes will bark during recordings honestly i've just learned to ignore it and plus i think it's funny because like you'll just hear this dog in the background so um and what were we talking about oh yeah tale of princess kaguya i like the um art style to this movie because it does kind of reflect the idea that this is like a fairy tale Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's called the tale of the princess kaguya like it's 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 really reinforcing the fact that this is a very fairy tale like movie Mm -hmm. 
I think it is interesting that it was um oh, I'm not gonna shut up. <laughs> I think it is interesting because um Takahata did say like he just kind of grew tired of um cell animation, which is why he started diverting away from it with um only yesterday with that more, you know, simplistic art style and then uh even My Neighbors mm-hmm. the Yamadas. That was kind of like a test run. Yeah, you definitely tell that in My Neighbors the Yamadas as well. Um yeah, which it probably no surprise why movies like My Neighbors the Yamadas only yesterday and Kagi are like my favorite of Takahata's. Um mm-hmm. I mean, I like Grave of the Fireflies. I I think I I just appreciate more with his other movies mm-hmm. and then I really did not like Pompoko, but I, yeah, I mean, just, hey, uh... four, four out of five ain't bad. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I agree with James. Over the Hedge is a better raccoon movie than Pompoko. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Kaguya. I, that's the thing with this movie is that like a lot of it is um very fairy tale like where because you know i mean the whole idea of like this princess being born from like bamboo and then the parents like these like this old couple are just like well she's our daughter now like it, it's very fairy tale like where you're just like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any fairy sense tale logic like, yeah fairy tale logic exactly there's a lot of fairy tale logic especially like in the like the later like 20 minutes where like you have like Kaguya admitting like oh I was sent down here by the moon people and you're just like the what now what what is this what are you talking about like yeah that's when you just have to like that's when like the movie kind of like gets a little weird for me which is why I don't consider it entirely perfect but again I feel like that's intentional like it's just like yeah it's like this weird fairy tale logic and again like there's that whole like I don't even really mind the scene where like um you know, Kaguya and, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, Semaru. Is that how you say Semaru. Yeah. So, like, how they're just like flying around. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, being all happy. And then, like, immediately it's just like, oh, it was all a dream. But it's like, oh, was it a dream? Like, <laughs> it, it's very, that's the thing with this movie. It's very dreamlike in its narrative. Like, you don't exactly buy it 100% as like this grounded story. Like, again, that reflects it as like this fairy tale very much so you know the tale like the original tale is like over a thousand years old so i can kind of understand why it has that fairy tale logic i think it is like the oldest japanese uh story so okay yeah i I didn't know that that's actually really fascinating Mm -hmm. actually that it's the oldest um yeah okay that's that's actually really cool and yeah that also ties into the fact that yes it's like this very loose fairy tale that like you know not everything makes a whole lot of sense but it's done so in a way that doesn't bother me um Mm -hmm. i will say uh because i feel like i i feel like i do love dream logic in movies when it's done right stuff like you know the shining the lighthouse stuff like that um Mm -hmm. yeah no and i really and this is something i noticed upon rewatch and i mentioned it in my letterboxd review like the idea that like we love praising the hell out of this movie i mean us who have seen it you know mm-hmm. um and like i feel like that's kind of ironic considering there's like a whole like subplot in this movie devoted to a bunch of uh noblemen trying to woo princess kaguya mm-hmm. like and they're coming up with all these like impossible standards for her. Like, oh, you're like this beautiful 
crested jeweled branch of this tree from like this and like you're like these these impossible these impossibly like high uh standards they're comparing her to mm-hmm. and it's all just so much for her you know um and i really love the idea that like she's just like oh if you truly believe this of me like you know go out and find these gifts these quote-unquote gifts you compare me to and you mm-hmm. know bring them to me as gifts and then i'll marry you it's that seems very like old folktale ish you know like mm-hmm. just like oh go on this quest to find this like uh thing you've compared me to and i will and i shall marry you mm-hmm. um which so you say it's like this is like the oldest um fairy this is like the oldest story in like japanese lore uh folklore it, it's not like one to one i would say right and like how it tells its story i do know there um there's some uh differences like i know the um whole thing with the suitors like that's a huge part in the uh, folk folk tale and then i know the um emperor plays a bigger role like Mm-hmm. I think in the original folktale, he kind of does the thing where he goes over to uh, Kaguya's palace and tries to woo her, but then she's yeah. like, no, I'm not going with you. But then they actually become friends afterwards, and then okay. I'm probably- yeah, wasn't, that an un- wasn't that an uncomfortable scene where he just like, appro- he's like, just like grabs her from behind, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, no, no, don't do that, no. Now, I think I might oh, be getting man. it mixed up with um, a Chinese uh, folktale, it's- they're both kind of similar with like the moons and stuff, but sure. I think Kaguya gives her gives him an elixir, mm-hmm. and then when she eventually goes back up to the um goes back up to the moon. Oh yeah, her parents die of um broken hearts, by the way, in the original folktale. And then oh, I think great, yeah. <laughs> and then oh, I think the um emperor goes up to um a mountain to burn the elix burn the elixir. And that mountain ends up being Mount Fuji. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm only asking because, like, so I assume the folklore, like the folktale of the original Princess Kaguya, like, it kind of ends with her essentially the same way. Like, she d- doesn't end up marrying any of them. Yeah. Um, and I like that. Like, I think that's a really well. I mean, that's a really good um way of showing like oh all this flattery gets you nothing essentially you Mm know um but i the point i was trying to make is that like i relate that to like a lot of how people like just love to praise the hell out of this movie and call it like one of the greatest movies they've ever seen Mm -hmm. when like you know that's essentially what the noblemen are doing they're like coming up with like these high praises for this um character that they've never truly met and it's like how many times have we really watched this movie like I've only seen this movie twice. Um, I personally would not call it the greatest thing ever, but like that's just because like I real I'm like really starting to like appreciate more things about it, but in a way that I feel like I'm doing so where I'm not like overselling it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm 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 more so wanting to understand it more before I can be like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Like, I mean, because that's essentially what I did when I first watched it. And again, that's because I had watched Boss Baby 2 beforehand. It's like, literally, I could have been watching anything after Boss Baby 2 and I'd probably call it the greatest thing ever. I could have watched Fungicide after watching <laughs> Boss Baby 2 and I'd call Fungicide the greatest movie ever made. I already do so, but you get my point. Like, it's yeah. it, the, there's, there's like... I, I really need to understand uh I mean this is why I always like kind of champion for rewatching movies. Like 
you can't just watch a movie once and be done with it. Like you need to watch it several times in order to truly like in order to truly feel like you're getting somewhere with it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's just like something I was thinking about when watching the movie. I'm like, wow, like there's all these five star reviews for it. But it's like, how many times have these people truly watched it? Um, I think you've watched it several times because I've seen your letterbox. Um, so you're at clearly least 10, like probably dozen at least times. Ten, at, oh boy. <laughs> and that's including when I originally saw it. So before I, um, fell like truly fell in love with it on HBO max, I saw it twice. The first time was in theaters and then I watched it again, like sometime later when I was at, like when you were allowed to, um, rent Ghibli movies. And then there's like mm. a huge gap of time. Like I think six or so years where i just didn't watch it and i think the kind of ironic thing is that um i have song of the sea on dvd and whenever i pop in that dvd there were trailers for princess kaguya since they both came out at the same time which is funny because when i watched kaguya on this blu-ray there was a trailer for song of the sea Mm -hmm. so there you go (laughs) there you go (laughs) oh yeah wow that's fascinating um but i do think your perspective on how there's so many five-star reviews and how we treat the movie Kaguya like the suitors. I think that's really insightful. Yeah. I don't, it was just something I thought of. I'm just like, wow. Like, and it, it just got me thinking of like, you know, how we uh, portray or how we view art really in general. Cause it's just like, I feel like, yes, obviously we be a hyperbolic on a lot of movies when we watch them for the first time. Cause we're just like, Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And I truly feel like, a lot of the hyperbolic like five-star reviews on any given movie in a on letterboxd is mostly played up for either comedic play or for just like you know for hyperbolic sake so like i don't entirely take it seriously but i don't know it's just something that like i was really thinking about it's just like wow we're like praising the hell out of it we're like like giving it so many compliments but like we're not really thinking about that and i feel like that's what this movie is about like you know the movie is essentially about this character, this princess character, and like her parents are like treating her as like this like you know godsend because she is because she's she was sent here from the moon people and mm-hmm. the bamboo shoot and also the father was hacking at a, no- a different bamboo stock one day and the gold just happened to be there. It's like yeah, like I think they are you know they're truly just like this is one of the greatest things that could ever happen to us. So like the, the compliments and like the amount of uh, st- high standards that comes with her position, you can understand why they do this. But at the same time, you also see like the pressures that come with that high standard. Um, like there's that scene. One of my absolute favorite scenes in the whole movie is when she's like, um, when there's like a party for her that like lasts like what three days Mm -hmm. um the naming ceremony yeah her naming ceremony like everybody's like celebrating um and she's like like kind of hidden away in like behind all these like uh sheets and uh flowery curtains and stuff curtains and stuff yeah and like you know she can overhear people being like oh how pretty is this girl anyway like and they just like start like kind of wondering like they start thinking of the logic of like them celebrating this princess they've never met for three days it's like how how interesting is this person and like that really gets to her so hard that like you know she runs away or does she but like 
the animation of her like running away into the night is like some of my favorite animation in anything ever. Like, She's which I know is gorgeous. high praise, which it's so gorgeous. I know it's high praise and I'm trying to say I shouldn't be doing that, but like, <laughs> it's kind of hard not to, because it's just so gorgeous and it's so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I'm that, But that's the thing about this movie is like, it's showing like the pressures that come with like, you know, your status as like this amazing thing. Now, granted, this is an amazing movie, but it's, I, I don't know, just like thinking about it, like, why do we consider it amazing? I think that's my, that that was like something I came to, uh, I had like kind of like a light bulb moment where I'm just like, why do I find this amazing? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I still think it's an amazing movie. Like it's, it it's one of those movies where like, I feel it, it's such a unique feeling movie when I watch it. Um. And so, like, no other movie that I've ever seen gives me the feelings that I feel like Princess Kaguya does, mm-hmm. um, the movie does. Uh, so no matter, like, my issues with it, and I feel like I do still have pacing issues with it, but, like, those are, like, you know, personal issues of mine. I still wouldn't want it to be any other way. Like, I just respect it far too much for me to, like, change it in any way, you know mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah so, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, obviously, I feel like I'm rambling a lot with this point, but I feel like it's just something that, like, I really, like, I really thought about when watching this movie, and I'm glad that I was thinking about it. Like, I'm glad when a movie can like raise awareness of like an idea that I didn't think of beforehand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that scene of her like storming out of the uh, mansion—it is such a good scene. It's so good, so good. <laughs> I love that um, reaction shot of her where it's her like slow like you can see she's slowly turning into anger when the um the guys overhead are like saying like maybe she's a goblin and stuff i think that reaction shot lasts for like 20 seconds but it feels like an eternity Mm, yeah no it's very well done i just i want to watch it again (laughs) like that's and i just watched it like a couple days ago i want to watch it again that's how good this movie is Mm um which i mean it's that that's a testament to how good a movie can be is like how sooner do I want to rewatch it again after having watched it already? Like it's, I like variety when watching movies. So like, I like to space things out, but like sometimes a movie's so good that you're just like, uh, again, please, you know? <laughs> well, we are recording this on August 15th and you know, that's yeah. the exact same day in Kaguya. Unfortunately, <laughs> Yeah, no, so that's a good point. So you wanted to record this on the day of the 15th, which is the day that yeah she goes back to the moon people, mm-hmm. Um, which is really funny because it's like, oh, we could probably like premiere this on the day. But no, we we made the decision to record on the day. It's, I, I think that's a very interesting uh, way of putting it. I mean, hey, uh happy kaguya day (laughs) she goes back to the moon people today yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i'm glad you mentioned that yeah we're recording this on the day that she goes back to the moon people so Mm -hmm. take take that internet for all the people that i'm probably that are probably going to be like oh did you know that you missed the anniversary of premiering this episode it's like yeah i know i'm aware of it i'm not stupid (laughs) but i think this is the um yeah, this is like the third year in a row where I rewatch the movie on the fifteenth, just because I like doing that. Nice, nice. Yeah. Either I'm 
Yeah, I either like watching movies on their um the actual movie's anniversary or if there's like a specific significant date in the movie, I like watching it on those days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to do that and then I forget to do that a lot. <laughs> Actually, the funniest time I ever watched a movie on its anniversary was when I accidentally watched um what was it? I accidentally watched Tales from Earthsea on its 15th anniversary. <laughs> And I didn't know that until afterwards, like because I was like, I watched the movie randomly because, again, it was part of the Ghibli ranking. So I was just like, "Eh, what's next on the list? Tales from Earthsea? Oh, James didn't like this one. Eh, Maybe I'll like it fine. No. (laughs) So boring. And then I like looked it up later and it was just like, yeah, today's the 15th anniversary of Tales from Earthsea. I'm like, I did that without even realizing it. I I. Swear to God, I did not do that on purpose because this that is not a movie I would ever want to watch on its anniversary because yeah. fucking Tales from Earthsea. <laughs> I think. Sh- shockingly, not the worst Ghibli movie. <laughs> oh, please. We're not going to talk about that. No. <laughs> no, no. We, we don't have to. <laughs> Good. I don't think I've done that like accidentally. Actually, I think I might have mm. done that with um Muppet Christmas Carol. Not okay. last year, but the year before. And then... I know, oh, I know. Carson Runquist watched um before sunrise, not on its anniversary, but it's like the day um Jesse and Celine meet. He did that completely accidentally, which I think is funny. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> In terms of like purposeful watching on the anniversary, I have done that with the Dark Crystal several times. Uh, December seventeenth uh, is the days I usually try to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I watched it that way last year actually but that's because i premiered the episode of it on the 17th um yeah so Mm -hmm. changing it up a bit um actually the other time i accidentally did something on a film's anniversary was when i premiered my shazam episode accidentally on the anniversary of shazam premiering uh which was like what april 5th and I think I, think I premiered so. my episode. I premiered my episode on uh, like the four year anniversary. I was like, <laughs> I swear I didn't do that on purpose. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to put it on a Wednesday because <laughs> that's it was a couple days after the Morbius episode. I, I swear <laughs> it was on accident. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, uh, is there anything else you have to say about Kaguya before we get into this Blu-ray? Um, do you have uh... any other notes? Did you watch the sub or dub? So, oh, so now we're going to have this conversation. Oh. Well, I mean- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm glad. No, this is absolutely something I wanted to bring up uh, mm-hmm. myself, actually. So I watched the sub. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I watched it subbed. Uh, you watched it dubbed, I'm assuming? Yes. Okay. So this is where I kick you out of the podcast. Uh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, when I saw um, it in theaters, it was the sub. Does that make it any better? Okay, no, that's interesting, actually, that they would have showed it in theaters uh, as a sub. Yeah, so um, the, this actually ties into the Blu-ray that I have it on. Um, it has the English voice cast plastered at the front. You know, you got Chloe Grace Moretz, James Kahn, Mary Steenburgen, Darren Chris, and Lucy Liu. Um, I feel like I can imagine which characters they play. Um, yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz obviously plays Kaguya. James Kahn, I'm assuming, plays the dad. Mm-hmm. Mary Steenburgen, the mom. And that's actually not the first time those two have been um, husband and wife, mom and dad. They were both- uh, Oh, my God. They were both an elf as well. They were both an elf as uh-huh. the parents. Oh, my God. That I did not 
Oh my god, I just got that. <laughs> oh, I didn't make that connection. Look, every time I hear Mary Steenburgen, I think of her being in um, Back, Back to, to the, the Future. Future Part yeah. 3. Yeah, because that was like my introduction to her. I'm like, who's Mary Steenburgen? Oh, she's uh, Clara Clayton in Back to the Future Part yeah. 3. I love Back to the Future Part 3. Anyway, mm-hmm. oh my god, I didn't even make that connection. Wow, <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Darren... Chris, I'm assuming that's uh, what's it, Saitama? No, Samaru. <laughs> yeah, and he was Who? um, that was like his. Who is there? Uh, he was. I mean, I'm assuming you haven't watched Glee, but I have. He was Blaine. Okay. So that was okay. like his peak popularity in Glee, because I know that. I think yeah, that was when uh, Glee was so really popular. Okay, I've never watched Glee. I don't care. I pref- <laughs> I prefer the music over the show. <laughs> Yeah, I can get that. Uh, that seems to be uh, people's modern tr- interpretation of that show is liking the music over the actual show. But yeah, uh, whatever. And Lucy Liu, I am familiar with Lucy Liu. She was in Kill Bill, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and that one episode of Futurama where Fry dates her. <laughs> and then also Viper in Kung Fu Panda movies and Chicago for like yes. two minutes. She was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't. I, I haven't seen Chicago. What's that movie we watched relatively recently that we were comparing to Chicago? Uh, wasn't there a movie we were relatively comparing to Chicago? Like William was just like, "Hey, it's just like Chicago, uh, Olivia," and you were just like, "No, it's not." I can't remember, I just, but I know a couple months I, ago you guys said, um, "Hey, we're gonna watch Chicago in the." Um, in the voice oh, call, yeah. and I joined in, and it was the 1920s silent movie. <laughs> yeah, we did do that. <laughs> I'm like, guys, I've already seen this. <laughs> oh, you have? Well, I haven't, actually, because William stopped playing it after 30 seconds. He's just like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of boring, and I was at a family party anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Maybe I made this up. Maybe we didn't watch something that we related to uh chicago i don't know i feel like william just says a lot of things (laughs) (laughs) but there are a couple other um notable people in the uh, voice cast like i don't know the other two but three of the um suitors are voiced by james marsden john cho and daniel day kim wow yeah okay (laughs) james marsden Mm -hmm. donut lord himself and the uh, thing about um the thing about Daniel Day Kim is I know him basically I know him from um Lost, but he was also in Spider Man two for like two seconds. He was like one of the background yeah, um he, scientists. He was, and that was like the same year Lost yes. came out, so like that was before he uh made it big. And then he's yeah. um <laughs> he's Dr. Han in, in that um I am a surgeon meme. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. That's the other thing he's, like, most famous for recently. And then um, he's also going to be Ozai in the Avatar remake. Yeah, that, I mean, too. I'll be I honest, heard about that's good that. casting, but yeah, we'll just have to see it's how just, it goes. It's just a shame that it's another live-action Last Airbender. It's like, <laughs> did you learn nothing from <laughs> Spider-Man 3? <laughs> did you, no, that's a quote from my... Uh, server they they just love saying that but no <laughs> did you learn nothing from Shyamalan like come on Shyamalama ding dong Shyamalama ding dong anyway yeah no that's interesting that mm-hmm. like they have other voice uh, actors I don't know I didn't watch the English version so I I am very much uh 
a sub kind of person i would love i prefer watching a movie in its original language like Mm -hmm. because i like watching something for its intended purpose um i get the dub arguments and i do i am not one of those like hardcore sub people that like shames people for watching dubs like by all means like watch whatever version you want Mm -hmm. i personally just can't get into dubs like i've seen plenty of movies that were dubbed it's funny um i watched spirited away dubbed and i did not vibe with it at all whereas like then i saw it a second time subbed and i loved it a lot more i don't know Mm -hmm. just something about japanese dialogue being translated to english doesn't work for me and i think i figured out maybe why this time around there i realized and this is something i've realized before i just applied it this time to this movie there's something vastly different about reading something written and then hearing something written you know mm-hmm. you know what i'm trying to get at yeah. so i did you ever watch um zack snyder's watchmen <laughs> no i haven't <laughs> Okay, so have you ever read Watchmen, the comic? No. Okay, well, it still applies. So, like, mm-hmm. Watchmen, the comic, um, was obviously very influential and is seen as, like, one of the greatest, like, comics slash graphic novels ever written. Yeah, I do know um, that much. Yeah, no, it's a very good book. Like, I've read it. It's very, very good. Um, I did actually recently add the um, mini series to my watch list. Yeah, so Zack Snyder... Um, made the movie adaptation and he really wanted it to like kind of capture the magic of the book so much so that like the movie's pretty much just the book but in live action like give or take a few things he changed Um, and that's all well and good you know as like an experiment to be like oh isn't that cool I see Rorschach in live action um or i see dr manhattan in live action oh look you can actually see his blue penis in 3d isn't that fun like oh that's that's an actual thing yeah dr manhattan is completely naked in uh in the the book and in the movie yeah (laughs) i'm really selling you on this movie (laughs) oh but anyway but my point is um watchmen the book because it's written you have characters go on like long-winded speeches a lot more often Mm -hmm. and that's all well and good when you're reading it, but when you're listening to it, it really starts to feel like boring. Um, uh-huh. And also the other thing too is like, you know, if you don't have a good director who knows how to direct actors properly, you know, actors delivering these lines can just sound so forced and so unnatural. Like there's so many scenes I remember in Zack Snyder's Watchmen being delivered by actors who I know are good actors on their own, but my God, them delivering like this Watchmen dialogue, it feels so forced and mm-hmm. so unnatural that you're just like, this sucks. Like it's, it's just, it's just the worst of the worst. So my point is I feel like when I'm like reading the Japanese dialogue in English, I feel like I could take it a lot more seriously because just the way it's written, I feel like I take a lot more seriously reading it than if I were to like listen to it being delivered by an English voice actor. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just a personal thing. I f- realized with me personally, I am not going to like, you know, 
force that upon anybody else. Like if you watched it in English and you got exactly what you wanted out of that, that's totally fine. Like I completely understand that. I do agree with you with the um sub thing. Like for me, sub and dub will depend on my mood. Like there are some movies mm-hmm. where I prefer dub. Like I guess Kaguya, I prefer dub, even though I do really like the sub. And then for other movies like um Perfect Blue, like yeah, I prefer the sub. But if I'm watching mm-hmm. a new movie, if I want to watch the sub or the dub, it just depends on my mood. Sure, I get that. Yeah, I I have watched dubs before. I'm more, uh, I do like the dub of Death Note because mm-hmm. that was like, th- not only was that my first dub, that was like my first anime regardless. Um, I was very nervous about watching it in Japanese, so I just watched it in English and I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. But then I fully transitioned to sub only when I watched my second anime, One Punch Man, because like... I wanted to watch One Punch Man and I watched it in its original Japanese and I loved it. And then I remember seeing a clip of it in English and I watched it and I was like, oh, this sucks. Like it just uh. it just wasn't the same. And especially like um JoJo. I've seen a couple of clips of JoJo in English and it's it's the, like part of the reason why I love JoJo is is like hearing Japanese people like say these American and Western bands like in in like broken Japanese English like it 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 just adds a bit of magic to it whereas like when you you try to hear it in um English it's just not the same like mm-hmm. it at all so again different strokes for different folks I get the differences um but yeah I think personally I am more of a fan of the Japanese uh version so I don't mind doing a little reading. That's mm-hmm. basically my point. Um, but at least this movie gives me the option. Again, much like the Iron Giant giving me different versions. Like I can just go into the language settings and be like, oh, audio Japanese, subtitles English, and I'm good. Like it works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't I, – I am a little annoyed that like the English voice cast gets top billing on, on this Blu-ray rather than the Japanese voice cast. But, I mean, you go to – letterboxed and the cast list is the japanese version so it's yeah. like because eh. it's the original language yeah exactly so like uh eh, i'm fine with that then if i have to look at this blu-ray and it says james khan and mary steenburgen and chloe grace moretz so be it like and also maybe that gives me the opportunity at some point to check out the english dub at some point maybe i'll get something out of it but i do prefer the sub version myself mm-hmm. um yeah. Uh, is there any other notes you had before we really dive into this Blu-ray? Yeah, I do have a couple. I guess going back Please. to um, just going back to um, Daniel Day Kim real quick because I do love him. He was yeah. um, I've got his title, but he was um, oh, I think he was Middle Counselor Ultimo. So he was the one who went out to the um, to the ocean to get the jewel from the dragon's neck. Mm. And what I think is really fascinating is that even though. Daniel Day Kim is Korean, not Japanese. His character looks exactly like him. It's like they mm-hmm. modeled him off him, off him, even though, like, I highly doubt it, but I just think it's kind of funny. No, I can imagine that. I can see that because, like, I do remember that character. And, like, yeah, he does bear a striking resemblance. Um, yeah, it's obviously in de- uh, coincidental, but I, I think that is fascinating nonetheless. Yeah, like, Daniel Day Kim's jawline is, like, literally at a 90-degree angle, just like Ultimo's. <laughs> yeah. 
the dude has quite the jawline, I must say. That's Seriously. why, you know, that's why, like, when, you know, the I am a surgeon meme was floating around, that's why <laughs> that guy looked like a soy jack and he was like the Chad because <laughs> it just ended up working out that way. And then I wrote a, a couple other notes. Like, I, I don't know where I, um, read this but uh kaguya's eyes lose color as the movie progresses so like early in the movie they're mm. kind of bluish and then like as like near the end they turn uh gray that makes sense i don't think i uh noticed that but i feel like if i went back i w- i could see that yes mm-hmm. that's in- that definitely sounds like something that would be probable mm-hmm. and then i've heard a couple complaints about how um the whole moon aspect about how Kaguya comes from the moon, that it comes out of nowhere, even though it's in the original tale. But I think the movie does mm. a good job um, foreshadowing it. Right. Like there are um, just various shots of the moon and then, uh, oh, Kaguya passes out in the snow and she says that she's seen, she's seen it before as she gazes over the snowy landscape because it looks like mm. the moon. Yeah. And then yeah. Daniel Day Kim once again says that her melody was uh, out of this world. And she was Ooh. playing the Kodo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, uh, kind of referenced here and there. It's just not like greatly referenced. Um, I do admit it does come out of nowhere, but again, I feel like that kind of reflects the fairy tale nature of the movie. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Well, the movie is basically made for, um, Japanese audi- audiences. Like every, obviously right. everyone in Japan knows the ending, so they know what's coming. And then, I think I heard um, Takahata say that he made the movie so that um, Japanese audiences could deeply resonate with uh, Kaguya because I guess they all saw Kaguya as not like a real human being, just I guess like the Mm. suitor is just a folktale legend. So I guess the movie's um, goal was to like make you deeply resonate with her, make her well-rounded. yeah, and I think it does a good job at that because I mean like we were saying like, you know, it definitely does show the pressures of having this like legendary title. So, um yeah, no, I agree. I think I think this movie does that really well actually. Mm-hmm. It succeeds. Good job, Takahata. <laughs> and then oh, this was this movie was cited to be um inspirations for Wolfwalkers and the Mitchells vs. the Machines interesting so i get I, wolf walkers missiles versus the machine well i mean it's not like not like a direct um right inspiration yeah. but i think it was mike rianda he had like a i guess movie bible he had like a word document and he had um just a list of uh goals that he wanted to have for the mitchells versus the machines and he said he wanted interesting um an interesting art styling and he had a picture of uh, Kaguya as one of the examples okay in that way yes i can see that yeah. then yes because mitchell's versus the machines i mean it's way different yeah i have my issues with it but i i will not fault the movie it does have an interesting art style absolutely mm-hmm. so it, it it does have that going for it absolutely and then wolf walkers i know um tom moore the director like clearly stated yeah i think it was him in an article who said that the scene of uh kaguya running was the inspiration for the uh, wolf vision Mm, where I was like the uh, pov of like the different wolves and like what their vision looked like yeah it reminds me of the morbius vision and morbius (laughs) (laughs) personally i think kaguya did it better but only by a little bit and then i guess i have 
aside from the dub versus sub question, I guess I need to ask, um, do you think this should have won Best Animated Feature? Um, this was the year it went up against Big Hero 6, correct? Yes. What the fuck was up with that year? The Lego <laughs> movie didn't even get nominated. I know. And Big Hero 6 won. I Look, look, I admit I'm a bit biased because I don't like Big Hero 6 as much as I used to. I mm-hmm. didn't hate it when I first watched it. I actually really liked it when I first watched it. I was like, wow, what a good movie. But man, the more times you watch it, you're just like, this sucks kind of that was my mistake you know just like it's it's not a great movie i i feel bad that we kind of put it down but at the same time it won best picture over kaguya and the lego movie and what else was nominated that year song the sea how to train your dragon 2 and the box trolls yeah (laughs) really big hero six like uh, i don't know out of all the disney movies that deserve best pick best animated feature it is not big hero six but all right forget all that forget that big hero six won. comparing kaguya to the rest of those and i'll be fair i have not seen song of the sea i have not seen the box trolls um i have seen how to train your dragon 2 that's the only one i haven't seen yeah how to Train Your Dragon 2 is fine. Mm-hmm. I remember liking it. It was good. I just, I compared to Kaguya, yeah, no, Kaguya definitely would have won. Now, look, I'm saying this as if I'm giving any shred of credit towards the Academy for knowing what movies are, when they clearly don't know what movies are. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I think objectively speaking, if we're going by best animated feature of the year 2014 even though this came out in 2013 but it came out in 2014 in the states yeah no kaki is the better choice like it's uh, yeah if we're going off of what should have won kaguya definitely because i it's literally the best animated feature of that year mm-hmm. like it's it's one of the best animated features of the 2010s even Honestly. i I mean, what else is there? I mean, I love Spider-Verse. That's, I probably love Spider-Verse more than this, but that's just because I don't know, that's, a, that's a fun movie. Like, I, I'm not, like, sad at the end of Spider-Verse. I'm actually very happy and chipper after I watch Spider-Verse. So, yeah, for um, me at the end of Kaguya, I'm just like an empty shell, but in the best way. Yeah, no, I'm glad that Kaguya has like a very kind of bitter ending to it. Um, I I much prefer its bitter ending over like you know a studio intervening being like, no, it has to be happy. She doesn't yeah. go back to the moon people. She actually stays with her parents. I'm I'm smart. I'm a smart executive. I know what movies are. Yeah, no, I. So yeah, to answer, to answer your question, yeah, Kaguya should have won, but mm-hmm. I. Say la vie or whatever, you know. <laughs> I think for me, I, I both adore um, Kaguya and Song of the Sea. So I mean, I mm-hmm. guess Kaguya is objectively better, but that's also because I guess they're going for more complex themes and. Sure. Yeah, I will say like Song of the Sea is, I guess a bit simpler with its um themes but i don't really consider that a knock against the movie i adore both of them so i would have been totally fine with both of them winning and then the lego movie should have been nominated at least 
at least i mean that's a movie that like i remember first watching the lego movie in theaters and being like wow this is something special it's like mm-hmm. nope not special enough for the award show where we're awarding the best of the best in terms of cinema it's like pfft. i again i i hate the academy for a number of reasons um but mostly that people take it seriously in some form way shape or form but uh, Anyway, yeah. Do you do you want to hate him? Do you want to hate him a little bit more? I I hate him already, but please uh, explain to me how I can hate him more. <laughs> okay, so I think it was a um, Variety article, or it was like just I think it was just an article back in um, 2015 when they were having the nominations out, and they interviewed a number of uh, Academy voters. They were all anonymous, and then there was one who led, who um led their blurb by saying like oh yeah i think the lego movie should have been nominated but then he goes off saying that um song of the sea and uh tale of the princess kaguya are like chinese effing movies that like nobody cares about even though they're japanese and irish I, <sighs> and he said they voted and they said they voted for big hero six because that was the one their kid watched oh my god it's so easy to hate on that person. It's like, do they not? Ha- How much lack of self awareness do you have to not have to be like, yeah, I'll just say this and I'll look great in the interview? It's like, I, uh, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine being, well, I can't even imagine being an Academy voter and considering the fucking choices they make over the years, but like, I can't imagine being that fucking brain dead actually saying that and thinking yeah this will make me look good <laughs> it's like oh mm-hmm. uh, god uh, academy more like shit i fucking hate the academy <laughs> i hate the oscars it, i don't like them at all i uh, fuck anyway <laughs> <laughs> unlike kaguya let's end this on a positive note um so right Blu- blu-ray i have a blu-ray plus dvd uh pack of princess kaguya the tale of princess kaguya i could own it on one of those nice ghibli steel books but i think this is another one of those this is just like the iron giant where it's like it's still a nice blu-ray that i don't mind keeping it um so i am fine keeping this particular blu-ray in my collection whether or not i upgrade it eventually it still has a place in the collection like i love this movie it's very very good. Um, it gets better, even though I I tur- I like bumped my score of it down slightly, so it wasn't a five stars. It's now oh, like so a nine out of ten. It. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I hated it absolutely. <laughs> I, Big Hero, I was lying. Big Hero Six did deserve to win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I almost died admitting something that was not true. <laughs> anyway, no, I love this movie lots i think it gets better with time but like in a way that like i'm able to understand it better um and i think it's an important movie i think many people should watch it and adore it except for william i think william should never watch it just to spite you fuckers for not watching a movie from the 60s there (laughs) uh but yeah no so do you own this in your uh limited physical media collection Mm -hmm. so i do have um I have a couple movies in um, various, or a couple of movies in multiple formats, and Kaguya is one of them. So I have the uh, mm. two disc DVD one for Kaguya, and then I have the steel book for it. And I got mm. the um, 
I got the DVD one off eBay, I think like a year or so before the uh, Steelbook came out because I really wanted to watch the um, feature like documentary that's attached to it, like the making of documentary. Okay. Is that on your Blu-ray? Yeah. I think it should be. I Yeah, I got this Blu-ray because I don't think the Steelbook for it existed. I got Kaguya and Only Yesterday on the standard Blu-rays because I don't think they had made the Steelbooks yet, which I was like greatly offended by. I'm just like, you're going to go for the Miyazaki Blu-rays first, yeah. but you're not You're not going to put the Takahata Blu- Blu-rays on Steelbook right away? So, what, whatever. Yeah, I do I mean, highly recommend the um, documentary. It's really good. Yeah, I think, yeah. Announcement of the completion of the film, Japanese trailers. Iso Takahata and his tale of the Princess Kaguya feature-length yep. documentary on the making of this masterpiece. Yes, yes. So I think I should check that out at some point, definitely. I need to watch more bonus features on Blu-rays that I own. I just, I usually just get the Blu-rays and nice versions of movies on these editions just because I want to see the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really care about bonus features. I mean, I'd like to know more about my favorite movies, but at the same time, it's not a necessity. But it's nice that I have the option. Again, hearkening back to the Iron Giant Blu-ray. It's like I want choices in mm-hmm. what I watch. So I have been wanting yeah. to watch more um director's commentaries, but then That too. When it's been like a long enough gap of time that I want to watch the movie again. I just want to watch just, the movie and not the commentary. You just want to watch the, exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the that's the tough part of owning of wanting to watch a commentary it's just like i want to watch it but at the same time it's been long enough i want to watch the movie again so yeah i totally i totally get that yeah yeah is there anything else we have to say about a tale of princess kaguya i feel like i could go on for another hour but i just don't know where to begin i know i i the exact same way i mean that's the thing with the that's the frustrating thing i realized when starting this podcast is like I'll like finish talking about a movie and like as I'm editing it, I'm just like, fuck, I forgot to mention like everything. But I mean, that's the thing is like, I know I'm going to eventually return to this movie. So like, it's fine. Even if I forget to mention stuff, the important thing is I know now that I definitely want to own it. That's the important part. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, Olivia. That's the time of the episode again. Uh, it's time for you to shout out your stuff. Where can people find you? Okay, cool. Um, you can find me on YouTube. It's going to be my full name, Olivia Mendel. And then my um, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd are going to be um, Liv Mendel. So it's going to be L-I-V, my nickname, and then my last name, M-E-N-D-E-L. But it's going to be in the links anyway, so... It is going to be links in the description. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Positively. Lutely. Oh, well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the show today, talking about uh, two movies that I own on Blu-ray and now forever own in the collection on Blu-ray. Of course. Uh, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Um, and thank you, Esmeralda, for showing up, too. <laughs> She's Stupid finally cat. shut up. She's back in the closet. <laughs> oh, right when I shout her out, she has nothing to say. How <laughs> usual. <laughs> She's quiet uh, now. Yeah, at least she is quiet. That is very true. Well, unless she has something to say, but I guess she, I guess she has nothing to say about Iron Giant or Princess Kaguya. She, I guess not. She doesn't strike me as much of a cinephile, I guess. <laughs> no. SMH. 
anyway but yeah thanks again for coming on and thank you the listener for listening to this podcast if you want to support the show give a like give a comment listen to us on spotify and apple podcasts or on youtube that's fine too doesn't matter um also we've been i've been making shorts of episodes you know just so then i can advertise them somehow some of you fucking zoomers watching youtube shorts that's all you watch on YouTube is the shorts. Well, watch the podcast too. That'd be cool. Um, also, uh, sometimes I stream. I just did a birthday stream a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was very fun. Olivia, you were there. We played Gartic Phone. Indeed, I was. Re- remember the time we did that? That was epic. <laughs> Freaking sweet. <laughs> that was such a fun time. Yeah, it was. I want to do that more often uh, mm-hmm. when I feel like it. I don't know when, but eventually it will be nice Um, yeah thanks for watching and always remember uh, you stay I go no following following. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Kaguya you would have loved Barbie she would have loved Barbie exactly okay bye bye everybody bye Just for you, I'm gonna